Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. Have you ever been sitting in a presentation and, well, you can't see this, but I'm using air quotes around the word presentation. You're sitting in a presentation and someone starts showing slides with tables full of numbers not meant to be seen further than three feet away. And then they say something like, as you can see from this slide, our brand awareness is up, our consumer sentiment is down, our net promoter score is flat, and it's all correlated to social mentions and engagement. Uh, No, Gary, I can't see that from your chart, and I don't even know what I'm looking at here. But to not appear ignorant, I'm going to slowly nod my head and pretend like I'm writing notes, which is really just a doodle of you being chased by Pac-Man. And then after this presentation, we know we're all going to go back to what we were doing already with no change at all. And if it's not in a presentation, then it's usually in a report that someone creates. That same table of numbers that tells you pretty much nothing. And a lot of times we end up with our people spending a large percentage of their time churning out that report that people don't really understand. And if it's a regular ongoing report, eventually the audience starts to ignore it. But they don't tell the team creating and sending the report. So this needless, complicated process keeps going much longer than it should. I don't think enough business leaders understand the amount of time, the amount of financial resources, the amount of human resources that are wasted in analysis due to their analysts not having access to the tools that simplify the reporting process and simplify the data storytelling Luckily, there are companies like Juice Analytics who are making that easier. Easier for those creating the reports and easier for those reading the reports. And in today's episode, I'm talking with the founder and CEO of Juice Analytics, Zach Gimignani. But before we get into today's interview, I want to let you in on a special offer for Simple Brand listeners. As a listener, you and your team can have free access to Juice Analytics' online reporting tool, Juicebox. All you need to do is go to juiceanalytics.com slash simplebrand and sign up for your free trial there. Juicebox takes boring, static reports that people don't understand, or worse, don't even read anymore, and it transforms them into interactive data stories that make it easy for people to understand, easy for people to make decisions, and easy for people to take actions. It helps your analysts spend less time trying to create charts and graphs and more time to develop insights that you can actually use. Juicebox makes it simple for your people to create reports, analysis, and insights And it makes it simple for you to understand the insights and more easily take action from them. You know, early in my career, I held roles that were 
heavily analytics focused. And I wish that I had a solution like Juicebox then. It would have saved me so much time in crafting, reporting, analysis, and data storytelling. And then later in my career, I probably would have stayed awake during presentations and made better decisions if the people presenting analysis to me had used Juicebox. So if you want your team to be able to save time and resources while being able to create visually compelling reports that help make decision-making easier, then Juicebox is for you. So sign up for your free trial at juiceanalytics.com slash simplebrand. But before you sign up, you probably want to have a better understanding of Juice Analytics and their philosophy and their approach to data analysis and data storytelling. Well, good news, you're going to learn all about that in my conversation with Zach Gimignani. Zach's the co-founder and CEO of Juice Analytics. In that role, he's responsible for the strategic direction, the business development, and the thought leadership of the company. And he's even written the book on data storytelling. He's the author of Data Fluency, Empowering Your Organization with Effective Data Communication. Want to hear my interview with Zach? Here we go. Hi, Zach. How are you? I'm doing real well, Matt. Thanks for being here. It is my pleasure. Zach, why did you develop Juice Analytics? Yeah, so uh, let me give you a little background on Juice and, and uh, you know, it might help explain uh, why we created the company and where we're headed. Uh, so it was actually about 15 years ago that I started the company with my brother uh, we were interested in data, interested in analytics, and um, wanted to work together. Uh, and when we got the company started, uh, we really found that the part of analytics and data that, that we were really passionate about was the challenge of communicating data. And often that relates to data visualization and dashboards and reports and lots of things that we run into on a regular basis. But we just found that Organizations struggle a lot, uh, not so much with gathering lots of data. Everyone's great at gathering lots of data, and we, we know how much data there is everywhere. But really in the challenge of how do you communicate that data in ways that regular human beings can understand and understand what it means to them. And that's, you know, it was pretty early into uh, starting the company with my brother just as a consulting firm where we found that that was the piece that we were really passionate about. Um, we've talked about it as the last mile of data. And um, that, that's sort of been our challenge and vision for the company is to help people bridge that last mile so that they can really get value out of data by connecting it to regular people. Why is the last mile so important? Because if you can't bridge it, all the investment, all the effort that goes into uh the data collection and analysis and modeling is effectively wasted. And I think a lot of organizations don't totally realize this, that they're, they're spending a huge amount of money on capturing data and they're building data science teams. But if they can't put that data in a form that the decision makers in the organization are going to understand it and do something about it, you really have wasted that huge investment. The end result, you know, uh, the people who are seeing the end result and hearing any end story 
if there even is one, you're mm-hmm. right. It's, it's decision makers and it's the people that aren't necessarily deep in the data. It's those that, right. that, that may not have all the knowledge of the data. And a lot of times it's difficult for these people to see the analysis and say, well, so what? So what yeah. do I get from this? Yeah. And I think you're really, you're putting your finger on the challenge, which is that there are these uh, gaps in understanding and perspective that occur where you have technical people, analytical people and organizations who really get deep in the data and understand what's going on and they can analyze it and they can do amazing things with predictive models and machine learning and artificial intelligence. But for the most part, that's not how decisions are made in organizations. That's not um, how, you know, whether we're talking about strategic decisions or tactical, you know, just customer service decisions, sales decisions, those are driven at a much more human level by people who are um, often not as deep in the data. So they don't understand what it means to them. So it's bridging that, that, uh, that language divide between the people who work with data and the people who could be using that and be making smarter decisions that I think is a really persistent problem um, in almost every organization that we've ever uh, worked with. And uh, it's the, you know, it's, it's the thing we're trying to help people solve for. And when you have decision makers or an audience who is seeing, you know, data or seeing numbers and, and whoever's presenting it to them, you know, they have a call to action. They have some sort of decision or action they want people to make. What does that audience really need in order to feel comfortable in what they're understanding, to feel comfortable with what they're seeing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I don't, I don't, I think there are multiple parts to what that audience needs. Um, They need context. So they need, they need to feel like the, the analysis is relevant and understands the business situation and the challenges of that business situation. It's never helpful to be presenting data and insights to people who can't, who are not, can't do anything about it. Um, you know, can't take an action on that data. So they need to, the data and the analysis to have that context. They do need it to be simple. I think this is one of the things that, you know, is really, I'm really drawn to in the stuff that you focus on is that oh, yeah. we know people are super busy. We know they uh, have short attention spans because they're super busy and they have a lot of things that they're trying, a lot of information they're trying to synthesize. So there's really a burden on the uh, people who are doing the analysis and telling the story of that data to make it very focused and um, purposeful and guided in ways that are make it easier for that decision maker to understand what that, you know, what's relevant in that data and what they should be doing about uh, the information that they're being presented. I love the, you know, providing context, making it focused, making it simple, because, you know, to your point, the audience, you know, has so many things going on and they need to understand it really quickly. If they want to make a decision, if they want to take action, if they want to, you know, get on board with the program, they've got to be able to easily understand it in order to easily understand it. I guess, you know, they have to quickly understand it. Yeah. You know, there's one other thing that occurs to me that I would add on to that is that I think that we, 
when we communicate data, sometimes it can feel very abstract where you're, you're kind of separating the numbers from the reality on the ground. Um, and, you know, we could talk about this in the, in the environment we're in with COVID, for example, is right. you can roll up all the numbers and look at the statistics. Um, but that separates the data from the very specific stories that have um, emotional connections to people. And I believe when you're telling data stories, you want to have both the big picture, but also be able to bring really specific uh, stories, anecdotes, um, things that are going to be, are going to connect to your audience because ultimately storytelling, and we, and we talk a lot about data storytelling is about making a, a, connecting to people's feelings and emotions and combining that with accurate data that helps guide people to smart decisions. So, you know, telling the very specific stories of COVID patients in combination with the overall statistics can really pack a lot more impact for audiences than just treating data as this abstract concept and, and just thinking about the numbers alone. Oh yeah. You know, stories always helps it tie things together and stories really help bring clarity to whatever you're trying to communicate. But for someone who is, you know, deep in the analysis, mm -hmm. they're usually focused on gathering the data, synthesizing the data, pulling it all together and analyzing and reporting it. How can someone like that get access to some of these uh, real stories? Yeah, it's a, it's a real challenge for that that person. And I think um, sometimes when we talk about analyzing data or the person who's responsible for doing this analysis, uh, we do burden those people with the challenge of understanding the business context and be able to bring in the real stories and doing the analysis and understanding the problems with the data. And it's a lot of things for, for that person. So we have a lot of empathy for that person who is burdened with that. And I I've, I've come around to feeling that it's, it's really not fair to expect one person to be able to do all of that. And that often um, in order to be effective with telling data stories and bridging this last mile that we talk about, it often, it does take a team of people. It takes someone who understands what's going on in the business and what the executive priorities are working closely with the data analyst who's going to understand the data and uh, often it takes it, it takes sort of the, that mix of skills and asking one person to be this unicorn who can do everything is probably an unfair expectation. It really is unfair. <laughs> yep. So that makes me think that there's an opportunity to have a more connected team, to your point, where mm -hmm. you'd want to have someone that's focused on the analysis, someone who's more analytical in their role and ensure that they can have someone who is focused more on a communications role, yeah. someone who's more focused on storytelling, who can then help them and help them understand uh, what type of stories they need to include and then go and craft and go and pull and craft those stories for them. I think that is a better model to be thinking of is, is finding those teams of people who can, who can help put together this better way of communicating data. Um, 
so I think it is those those combination of skills. Um, and I think like we like to think about data analysis and the communication data as a social challenge, as a as a human and collaborative challenge as much as a technical thing. There are a lot of tools and a lot of powerful capabilities for being able to work with data. And there are a lot of ways to put a chart on a screen, but um, the real challenge of it, of it, I believe, is, is giving people the right skills to be able to understand how to more clearly communicate their message, be able to create those working environments where people can collaborate on the analysis and how you want to express the results of that analysis. Um, and even getting into um, the concept of data literacy, which is very hot right now, um, where a lot of organizations are starting to recognize that the recipient of that data, the, the decision makers or the executives or the frontline workers who could be using that data need some basic understanding of how to work with data, understand what it means, and understand how to draw insights and actions from that data. So having greater literacy so that the end user knows what they're like, understands what they're being told, can interpret it and make good use of it. All those parts have to come together in order to um, address, I think, this challenge of, of we're all swimming in data, but we're not really making great use of it. You mentioned data literacy. Mm -hmm. How is that different from data fluency, which yeah. is which is actually your your book? Yeah, so I wrote a book called Data Fluency, and this is about five years ago or so. Um, and since then, the term data literacy, I think, has taken hold more so. It's a little bit of splitting hairs and semantics to me to to say that these things are very different. If I was to split a hair, why not? Um, I would say that data literacy puts a lot of emphasis on making it so that people can read and interpret data. So it's about teaching skills to make people comfortable with, you know, if they see a chart on CNN, they understand how to not only read that chart, but be a critical, careful reader of that information. And that is a, that is a key skill for sure that I think people need to learn. To me, data fluency goes a step further. It's about how do you uh, both take create those skills, but also uh, teach people how to be good communicators with data. So you both need people who can convey meaning from data and people who can read that meaning. And I think data fluency also kind of helps emphasizes the need for the back and forth discussion that should be occurring, uh, whether you're what we call a data author or a data consumer, really it's a dialogue that you're trying to create um, across those people. And, and that was kind of the concept that we were thinking about when we wrote that book, Data Fluency, is, is how do you get that dialogue going effectively, both from the consumer, data consumer and the data author side of things. And that's super important today, you know, with the coronavirus pandemic, but even mm -hmm. before that, uh, we're, we're also, you know, in an election year and we're starting to see a lot of data used and presented in the media. And I don't think enough people are fluent enough in data to be able to take a look at it and to think about it 
critically, like you mm -hmm. said. Yeah. And the, you know, the challenge data is a, you know, uh, is a, is a challenge on both sides with the fact that people can manipulate it and people can tell the story that they want to tell from the store, from the data in order to um, convince people of something. We've seen at least a few cases in this coronavirus era of people manipulating data to tell a story that is, that is to their own ends. And it does take uh, critical, smart consumers of data in order to see through that kind of manipulation. Um, as well as I think there are a lot of kind of watchdog groups out there that are, are trying to make sure that what is being presented is accurate. Right. Um, right. But is you know it's a, it's a data is a dangerous weapon in some ways and data storytelling which has great power with great power comes great responsibility right <laughs> in, yes. as we learned from uh, Spider Man Spider Man there you go um, you know understanding that you can if you can be more uh, impactful with the way you present data you should also be truthful in that of course and accurate. Um, and, and certainly people can misuse those uh, skills as well. On the flip side, you know, for those that are data consumers, what are a couple of things that the public, that data consumers can do today to help them become more fluent and to help them become more critical about the data they see? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the, I guess to start with, uh, you know, that any story that's being told is being told by an author who, um, and I, you know, we, I often get this question from when I present about data storytelling that analysts are concerned that they're bringing subjectivity to their data storytelling. And I think as a starting point and as a data consumer, you have to recognize that whatever is being presented, whether it's words or, or data, there is going to be a subjective element to it. So, you know, it does start with the source. Like, do you, do you trust the source of what, of what is being presented? Um, you know, I think that as a data consumer, you know, understanding often one of, one of the really core things that, uh, that you have to learn about um, whether you're a data author or consumer is around the metrics or the measures that you're showing. And that is often the kind of the, the core piece of whether the data is accurately representing the world or not, because the metric that's being chosen can often, it can be, you know, whether it's a, a percentile or understanding what the denominator is, that is often kind of the essence of whether you feel like the story that's being told is, is an accurate and fair one. Um, so as an example, we're seeing a lot in the, in, as we look at COVID cases, what we don't really know is how many people have been tested. You know, that's like, and that is the denominator that we're often dealing with. Right. That, that's implied in all the measures that we're seeing. So if you don't think about what is that measure you're seeing and what goes into that measure, then you can misinterpret what that measure means and what and what you should do about it. Uh, so that's that is often you know when I'm thinking about 
when we're training people on data storytelling or reading data, it really often comes down to the, the measures as the key characters in your story and understanding the nature of those characters. And everything else is kind of how you break out those measures and how you look at how those things are changing over time. But you want to start right there. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, it, it, um, the story can change just simply based on what you're measuring oh. and it helps and, and it helps to make sure that when someone's trying to tell a story that they're actually measuring the right thing. Right. I think that it is sort of, it's the foundational element of your story and then, and it can take the story off the tracks or keep it on the tracks if you choose the right measure. Right. Well, so you have a service that helps data authors to better present and to provide better data storytelling, Juicebox. So can you tell me more about Juicebox and who is it for? Absolutely. So Juicebox is a um, online tool that we are just now launching. We're really excited about getting it out there. Um, And it addresses this scenario that I think is occurring everywhere in, in lots of businesses and a lot of organizations where people are creating often Excel-based reports. Uh, sometimes those morph into, power, into PowerPoint presentations. But, just, you know, I'm sure you've seen this, Matt, where, like, people are creating these big Excel reports that get sent around. And whether that's a report about marketing performance or sales or it's a report to the board or it's a financial report, those are getting sent all over the place. And, and they don't do a good job of communicating the message in the data, what the data means, a story in that data. Um, and yet people are spending a huge amount of time creating these kinds of reports and, and emailing them around as attachments and people aren't opening them on the other side of those emails. And that's, that is the fundamental thing that, that we want to focus on uh, with Juicebox. We want to make that kind of reporting people-friendly and super easy to create. And we really don't think there's anything else on the market that does um, a great job at, making, uh, at allowing non-analytical people and, and analytical people, for that, for that matter, take the data they have, turn it into an interactive data storytelling application that's going to be um, easy to understand, really engaging, and be able to share that with their audiences. So Juicebox is, is a tool that lets you do that. It lets you um, load your data, create a, a super easy to understand, attractive web-based uh, report and be able to share that uh, as much as you want. Uh, I think it's really going it, to, it's something really new in the analytics space. It's again, you know, to your theme, we focus a lot on how do we make that as simple as possible, as easy for people to get started so they can save time and really make an impact with their data. You talk about saving time, especially for data authors that are non-analytical you know, that, mm-hmm. that helps them, but the audience as well, the, you know, to, to your term, data consumers, I would venture to say that there's a lot of wasted time in companies when people are t- trying to, you know, just churn their wheels, trying to figure out <laughs> what this report even means. That's, 
I, yeah, that's a great point. And we often think about it from the author side, but I, you're exactly right with the consumer as well. There's a lot of wasted mental energy, time trying to, to understand that. And I think so giving those data authors something that allows them to much more clearly, directly tell the story of their data and make it so that their audience is going to want to engage with that data. I mean, this is the challenge is, you know, when, if I, if I've done a big survey, let's say I've done a big customer survey and we have a bunch of results from that. And then I send those results as some Excel document around, there's no reason to, to imagine that I that people are looking at that, understanding it and pulling the same insights from that kind of report. And, and yet that means that the whole effort to do the customer survey is wasted if people aren't pulling insights from it. And so, you know, it's, it's wasted time, but it's, it's wasted money and energy. Uh, if we, if people can't create that really great reporting. When you think about, uh, you know, different types of reporting, different types of data that people are gathering, depending on the type, there's lots of investment that goes into it. And if it's, um, if it's a customer survey, customer research, you know, there's investment in that. Right. There's investment in, you know, in the tools that people use to run and analyze the data. There's the investment in the actual, uh, in the actual human resources and their time that they're using to run the data. And then if it gets to the point where they've created a report and then nothing comes from that, that's wasted it's, investment. It's amazing, isn't it? I, and you might have a better theory than I do, but I, I sort of have always felt like people kind of run out of energy in that last, last mile. <laughs> you know, if you, if you think of it like a marathon or something, like you've done all the work of designing the survey, running it, gathering it, putting that data together. And it's that last mile that, people kind of run out of steam to put, to have the energy to make sure that it, something comes of it. And if you don't do that last piece, it's the whole 25 prior miles are wasted. It's, it's, it's amazing, but I, I think it's very common. I mean, I think it's a thing that a lot of your listeners probably recognize or have seen something like that in their organizations. I think so. Yeah. And, and, and it's just that, that struggle just to, just to kind of push it over the finish line and say, okay, there we go. I'm done with it. But I'm curious, I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to guess or consider, I'm curious for data authors, if they focus enough on the goal, you know, focusing on the end in mind, uh, a lot of times and, and early in my career, I spent a few years in analytics and, you know, when I came in, I was trained on here, you know, here's the best practices for, for how we present data. Here's the best practices for how we do our reports. And I thought, I can't even understand what I'm supposed to be doing here. Uh-huh. How can some, how can the audience understand it? And I was told, well, this is the best practice. This is the way we've always done it. Okay. I'll do it. this yeah. way. <laughs> um, and, and the goal was to churn out a report. The goal wasn't to tell a story. Uh-huh. The goal wasn't trying to try to get someone to make a decision or take action. The goal was simply to just churn out a report. Yeah. I think this is, um, 
I mean, some of these things are, you know, this goes back to the human aspect and the, how an organization works together. Um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who runs a uh, data science group at a software company, and he was expressing this same same thing where he was he was trying to impress upon his data science team that building their model, their predictive models, and getting good results from their predictive models was not the end was not the finish line. It was not to, it wasn't any success until you have that model in production in their product. That was, that's the actual finish line. And to get to that finish line, what you need to do is you, you have to step out of their comfort zone of working with data and you got to start convincing some executives at the organization that your model makes sense. And then you need to get it into production. And those last steps ask people to engage with other other humans, convince them of things, show them the results, you know, work through that that challenge of bridging those language barriers that exist between business people and more technical people. Um, and and yeah, I think thinking of the delivery, I just delivered the data, therefore I can check the box and that's good enough, is not good enough. You know, we need yeah. to think about how have you made that business impact? Have you changed someone's mind? Have you gotten something? So it's it's working in production. Those are the real end goals. Delivering the data, that's just mile 20. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you're pretty tired by data. then. You put, I mean, it's a good analogy because there's a lot of work to do. I, mean, I, I don't know how long you're in analytics or how deep, you got into all this stuff. There you go. You're, you're, you escaped it. But there's data projects have lots of parts to them, and they are messier and more challenging than everyone anyone wants to admit at the beginning. So you you know at the beginning it seems simple, and then you realize things are inaccurate and there are complexities, and you have to address all of that, and it can become very time consuming. And then, you you know, it can be 20 miles time consuming. And at that point, you're kind of done feeling like you wish you were done. So right. um, it's a good way to think about it, I think. And, 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 you know, to have an understanding of you haven't reached the finish line, you haven't reached your true goal yet. Your goal shouldn't just be to just deliver the numbers. That's right. I think you need to think of have you have you gotten those numbers or those insights into the minds of the people who are going to do something with those insights? And often that is um, sometimes we'll think about, you know, when you're telling a data story, you need to think, you need to think in a sales and marketing kind of mindset, which is very challenging, which goes all the way back to our initial, some of the initial discussion about it takes a team like you, you need to synthesize your message down to something that's simple for someone to understand that it might change how they might change their terminology or their language or how, how they think about something. And you, and if you're, if you're getting executives to talk about things in new ways that are driven by the data analysis that you've done, that's a kind of success. Like that feels a lot more like success to me because now you've changed minds and that changing of minds is going to is going to flow into how uh, the business works. It's ensuring that your audience gets it. 
you know, in, in, in my role, you know, mm-hmm. professional speaking, speaking engagements is a big part of my uh, business. And my goal, my goal isn't to stand on stage and just give a talk. My <laughs> goal to help people understand and to change the way that they think about things. And if I'm giving a talk and I look out into the audience and I see blank stares, then I know that I've got more steps to take. I'm not done, but I love looking out of the crowd and seeing those light bulbs go off in people's heads. Mm -hmm. And that's when I know, Oh, they're getting this. This is sinking in. Right. So they're probably repeating back. They probably come up afterwards and, repeat back things that you've said and connect those to their world. And at that point, you know, you've kind of closed this loop of taught them something, but they're also starting to apply it in their, in their world. Um, Yeah. It's a lot of, I'm sure a lot of the lessons that, that you have learned and that you teach about presentation and convince and being motivating people and convincing people of things apply to data storytelling. I think that is, that's one of the things that I think we bring to our work and to Juicebox is to really be trying to tackle this very challenging problem of how do you convey information in ways that are going to be compelling and engaging. Um, so it's less about the technology or working with big data or how many charts you can put on the screen or you know all that stuff. We want to clear out that stuff and get the focus on the audience you're trying to reach, what questions do they want to answer, um, and how the data can inform those things and what they can do about the data once they've learned something new. That should be the focus. I was actually talking with somebody yesterday, and this can relate to so many things when you're trying to change someone's mind or get them to make a decision or take action, you need to be able to answer the question for them. So what, and now what? Mm-hmm. Yep. This is, uh, this happens a lot in, you know, one of the, one of the big pitfalls I think of, of the data analysts and of the person who's trying to communicate the data is that they will get all sorts of questions and requirements from their audience that are just sort of, they're just interested or they don't even know quite what to ask. So there's a lot of questions that fly around in, in data projects or analyses. And it, someone has to step in and ask those questions that you just asked about, if you knew the answer to that question, what would you do about it? What actions could you take? Why is this important versus trying to answer everything and, and kind of um, overloading, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a question of who's taking responsibility of doing some editing to narrow down to the really important things. And, uh, you know, the data world has struggled with just trying to answer everything or gather all the data and not try to edit itself and curate information so that people can actually absorb a manageable amount of, of information. And then to add into that, one of the other keys uh, that I know that Juicebox provides and that you like to focus on and talk about, and, and honestly, you're, you're one of maybe just a few people that I've seen talk about design principles in right. data analysis. How do design principles relate to data storytelling? 
Yeah. So there are design principles. When, when we talk about design principles, it's sometimes it's, it's um, more tactical things like right. how do you use color and um, how do you keep things visually simple so that it's very, it's easy for people to in, interpret and read and be attracted to what you're showing. Uh, some of the design principles are about that, but I think the more important things that we convey are are about how you should um, help guide people through the information. So recognizing that if you're showing data to people, you need to also be their guide to walk them through that information so that they can be led to useful views of that information. Um, so one of the design principles that we talk about is something, something we call gradual reveal. So recognizing that you don't want to show everything at once. And this is, this is what traditional dashboards and reports are happy to do is try to like put everything on the screen and then ask the, ask the user or the audience to like go find something useful in here. Whereas we feel like it's an important design principle when communicating data to walk people through in a way that, that is very manageable and step-by-step step, starting with what is the context, what is the high level picture about this data and helping them explore it in a safe guided kind of way. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of this comes from uh, 15 years of, designing analytical products and realizing that it is really hard to tell, to communicate data in simple, uh, easy to understand intuitive ways and, and pulling from that experience, some, our best practices about how you communicate data. And then for us as a company, we've built all of those, all that thinking into a solution so that as a, new data author who doesn't have a lot of experience but still wants to easily create something, the choices, the design choices, the good design choices have already been made. And you can focus on what is your data and what do you want to convey out of that data. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so, so now on your team, you'll have your data author, you'll have your communications person who's able to help with storytelling. And now you'll also need a graphic designer or someone who has enough graphic design experience to help guide, you know, how design principles should be used in telling the story. Well, unless you're using juice box, I would argue, in which case that graphic designer comes with the tool. Like the, you don't need to make, choices as to what's a good font and what's a good color. Those choices are already made for you in Juicebox. But I think it's, you know, it is, um, you know, I think this is one of the things that is is difficult for people if you're creating those reports and you're, you know, whether it's a PowerPoint presentation or Excel, like trying to make something look good and professional is is not a skill set that is, is broadly... Uh, available, especially amongst the people who like to work with the data themselves. And I think that's one of the things that helps differentiate Juicebox from other data tools is providing that 
that other piece, the design piece, you know, so, so you, you don't have to have that graphic designer on your team yeah. because Juicebox provides a lot of that for you and helps. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, the, it's about, um, in some time, in some cases, I believe in offering less choice rather than more choice. I think we're, you know, exist in a society and a lot of technology tools are really about, you know, how can I give people more knobs, more features, more options to mess with things. Whereas if you're, if you're trying to help people get things done in a simpler way in a way that's going to be really effective, some of those choices are not things that you should ask people to figure out time and time again, like just, just bake in good design choices and then let and make sure that the user can focus on what's really important, which is their specific scenario, their data, and their audience. And you see this with, I mean, Apple is the sort of classic example of, you know, right. company that says, like, we're not going to give you all the ability to tweak everything. We're going to make some of those choices for you. But the end product's going to be pretty good. So we're going to, you know, so people are willing to, uh, give over some of those choices because they know it lets them focus on the things that are important to them. And most people don't, don't want to be burdened by choices. Either. That's that's right. I've certainly got to that point in my life too. Where it's yeah. like, I don't, fewer choices uh, is better for me as long as I feel like those are good choices. So for any data authors out there, what's the biggest mistake you see and you want to tell people, okay, please, please, please do not do this. <laughs> I, I think it relates to uh, trying to do less as much as possible. That I, I think the biggest mistake is people feel compelled to try to show all the data that, you know, so to go back to the survey example, for example, you know, you, you've gathered a, a bunch of data about your, your customers and you might feel compelled to say, well, we gathered all this data and we spent time on that data. I need to show all of it to the executive team. Everything like we gathered it, we should use it. And um, I think that there, you know, that's, that's often a mistake versus viewing it as what are the most critical useful things that we can pull out of this research so that we can provide some an analysis and present the data in a much more focused way that's going to be so much more digestible versus trying to show everything so you know that focus finding focus and clarity and what your message is can be really hard to do but it's going to save the consumer of your data a lot of um angst and having to work through the data and it's going to make what you create a lot clearer. So like less is more. Less is more. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, th this, this has been great because, you know, um, I wish that I had uh, this type of mindset. I wish, I, I wish I had juice box, you know, those early years in my career when I was so focused on, on analytics, I probably would have enjoyed that a lot more. And we've learned a lot about this today, but where can people go to learn more and where can people go to learn more about Juicebox? So you can go to our site at uh, juiceanalytics.com. Uh, and if you're interested, we are actually signing people up for our for beta access, free beta access to Juicebox. 
Um, and if you go to juiceanalytics.com slash simple brand, we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up, um, get on our wait list and hopefully get in into our beta program to have access to it. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it if you get a shot. Oh, that's exciting. And I think that Juicebox is going to help a lot of people with telling their data stories. This is fantastic. Excellent. Thanks a bunch, Matt. Zach, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for your time and uh, love the lessons that you've shared today. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Zach Cimignani. And I hope you learned some valuable lessons on how you and your team can make your reporting and analysis simpler. And remember, you can take it one big step further by simply signing up for Juicebox. You, as a Simple Brand listener, have access to the free beta trial of Juicebox. And all you need to do to download it is go to juiceanalytics.com slash simple brand. Hey, I hope you're enjoying listening to the Simple Brand Podcast. I love having you with us today. Um, I'd love it if you hit the subscribe button. And when you do, that's going to be a lot simpler for you to get future episodes. We've got some great episodes coming up, lots of more great interviews, lots of fun guests, more lessons from me, Matt Lyles. So hit the subscribe button And then you can automatically make sure that you get those new episodes as soon as they're live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.